0: Today, I'd like to make a few observations concerning the people in Ukraine. At the time of this recording, there's still a major attack on Ukraine by the country of Russia. And what I want to talk about is the heart of the people in Ukraine. What I'm seeing and how they are responding, even though they are a very small entity in comparison to Vladimir Putin and Russia, and the forces that are coming against them, the people are showing tremendous courage. And that's what I want us to focus on today is the courage of the people and the heart of the people. One of the things I would say about the heart of the people is that freedom is emblazoned in their hearts. They know what it's like to be a part of the empire of Russia. They also know what it's like to be free and to be independent. Faced with the option to go back under the umbrella of Russia, they have chosen to fight for life and for liberty and the pursuit of happiness. On some level, they understand, even as we do in the United States, these inalienable rights that are really given by God. So the people in Ukraine are making the ultimate sacrifice. So many people have lost their lives. So many have died, and yet they continue to fight for what they believe in. And when you have a deeply held belief that's based on important values to you, You fight for your house. You fight for your home, just as if a robber was to come into your personal home. You don't just let the robber ransack and run through. If you can do anything to resist, that's what your heart says to do. You want to resist. And that is certainly what the people of Ukraine are doing. And they are experiencing extensive losses and casualties as a result of that resistance. When I think about the will to fight under these circumstances and to fight to the death, I know that in that country, there are many people who truly do believe in God and name the name of God. And they know that they would not have the same freedoms even to worship as they would like to if they go back into the communist system. They also know that they've been free to pursue their dreams, more of their ideals, and use their talents and gifts in a way that they couldn't do if they were back under that oppressive regime. And when we see how Russia is attacking civilian targets, bombing children's hospitals, killing children, killing people of all different types, you can understand why they would not want to go back to a system or a scenario where life is not valued, where people are considered expendable and expendable for reasons that really are not even worth people dying for. In other words, this is not a war that had to happen. Russia wasn't being attacked by Ukraine. They just looked across the fence and saw that there was something they wanted in the other person's yard. And like a bully might do, they decided they were gonna snatch it and take it for themselves. And so under those circumstances, I think that President Biden recently referred to it as genocide, and that's a good word for it. Really just exterminating people for no good reason. And the loss of human life to claim somebody's Physical possessions to claim their natural resources or their country is really not a good reason for killing other people. And we know that the leader in Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, his own background, he understands what it means to fight against regimes that are problematic. He lost a number of family members himself in the Holocaust, and his own family and background are Jewish. So understanding that, knowing that in his own history, he's prepared to really fight all the way down to the Met and to encourage his people to not give up hope and not to, to lose hope. And not only is he encouraging the people with his message, he's reaching out to the allies across the globe. Because if this is allowed to take place to Ukraine, then what's next? Who else? might be on the chopping block? Who else might lose their country, their property, because there was no resistance and people just rolled over and allowed it to happen? So fortunately, allies in the Western world are issuing and imposing sanctions on Russia. And there's a lot of pressure in the world community for Russia to make a different decision. Now, whether they will do anything different or not we don't know we have to wait and see what will happen but for now and what we're seeing at this time they're continuing to invade many different cities and to bomb them in to create significant havoc so not only are the people losing their property losing their livelihood losing their friends and their family members they're also going to be traumatized with a significant amount of post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of these incidents. And even their leader, Volodymyr Zelensky says he's not even able to sleep very well at this point with so much going on. And he's even beyond the point of crying because there's been so much devastation. It's almost as if there's a form of shock in place. You can't even cry anymore, even in the face of so much tragedy. I think that when we consider why might this be happening, we won't know the reasons why in a grander scheme, and even from a spiritual foundation and direction, why these things are taking place. Although I will identify a couple of things that I think are relevant. We are seeing the true character of President Putin over in Russia and seeing what kind of individual he is and what he's willing to do. And I think, at least in the United States, we really need to see that because under recent regimes in our country, Putin was sort of elevated and talked about as someone who was intelligent and so on and so forth. And intelligence is not enough. You also have to have a moral compass. You also have to have values. The same thing is true in your company, in your organization. When you're considering leaders and leadership, there are people who are skilled and who have abilities. There are people who actually have intelligence. However, if they don't care about people, if they don't have a moral compass, if they don't have values that you share in common and which are higher ideals, they may be a very poor choice to be in a leadership position. I do remember that when I was living in Germany, and it was during the time that the wall was still up in Germany, and I remember traveling over to Eastern Germany at the time, which was still under occupation and still under communist rule. There were all kinds of requirements even to visit East Germany at that time. And on one of those visits, there are three things that I saw that were impactful to me, and I still see these pictures in my mind. The buildings that had been bombed out during World War II were still in the bombed out condition in East Germany, The country had not been rebuilt in the way that west germany had been rebuilt so you had this constant reminder of the devastation and the rubble and the crumbled buildings all around and this was in the 80s when i was there so i remember that i also remember that the people i saw the people who were in east germany in the different shops walking down the street there was a look a certain sullenness on their faces there was not a sense of joy or happiness. They looked oppressed. They looked depressed, as a matter of fact. And I just remember that joyless sort of expression. So I can only imagine the people in Ukraine are probably remembering what that look looks like too. They probably know what that's all about. And the third thing that I remember seeing when I was there, there was a museum. It was a Russian museum that my husband and I went to. And in there, they had all of these documents and lots of paperwork talking about the Russian beliefs and Russian philosophy. And they said, there will be seasons in our history when you will see us appear to be conciliatory with other nations and to be cooperative. Please understand that this is just a temporary move that we make because we need to feed our people or we might need something. As soon as we have opportunity, we will return to what we really believe in and we will continue to uphold the communist ideals we will never stand for what the other countries, such as the United States, believe in and what they're standing for. This is their own documents. This is them speaking about themselves. And it was so chilling that I will always remember that for the rest of my life, because it says, no matter what you see, don't believe the surface of what you see. Believe that this is who we are. It's almost like the ancient fable that says, if somebody is a scorpion, then they're going to act like a scorpion, even if they tell you, oh, you know, give me a ride across the river, and I won't hurt you. And we know in that Aesop's fable, the scorpion actually does kill his benefactor who took him across the the river in the water, because his nature was to be a scorpion. And I think that's essentially how Russia described themselves in this museum that I saw in East Germany. So I think that one of the things is the United States, this is an opportunity for a wake-up call and to find out and to remember who different people are across the globe and in particular, remembering who Putin is right now. Now, the reason that's important, particularly in the United States, is because at some point we will again have presidential elections and we'll need to think about the leaders that we elect and their alliances and who they care about, and who they admire, and what it is they might choose to bring here, even to the United States. We have to remember there's a reason that the Statue of Liberty is standing in New York to remind us of some of our deepest held ideals and beliefs, and we don't want to sacrifice those under any circumstances. I'm also really encouraged that The rest of the Western world is responding with humanitarian aid, with sanctions. And in Europe in particular, the people of Ukraine have been granted membership in the EU organization. And I was speaking to some colleagues recently who are in other European countries, And they say the refugees from Ukraine are coming into their countries. And because of this EU agreement, they are able to start working the next day and to be able to provide for themselves and their families, even in their refugee status, because of that common bond. And in one case in Ireland, there were a number of refugees who came in the next day, they were hired by a hotel. And that hotel was looking for workers and really didn't have the resources that they needed. So this was a win-win situation. So I'm really happy to report and say that there are those situations going on as well. And some people who are able and in a position to do so are returning to Ukraine after they have left maybe put their families in a safe position and they are returning to help their brothers and sisters there to carry out the fight that needs to happen and needs to take place. And many of those people will also end up sacrificing their lives in this conflict. So I would say that clearly those are some of the things that from a U.S. perspective we need to think about. And I also think we need to think about the reasons to be thankful God tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, no matter what's going on, to be thankful at all times. That's God's will for us, even though challenging and difficult things may be going on. And those of us who are people of faith, we want to pray for the people in Ukraine, pray for their strength in this crisis, pray for God's comfort of them with all of the loss and the difficulty that's going on, and that even though there is war, all around them and no peace in their external circumstances, that God is able to keep them in his perfect peace on the inside. It is from that position of God's perfect peace that he will give them guidance and direction on their next steps and what they should do in resisting in this conflict and in this situation. The weapons of their warfare and what they need at this time are supernatural and God is a supernatural God, and he is able to provide and to resource them. And so those of us who are not directly in the conflict must remember to lift them up in prayer that God will continue to uphold them and continue to strengthen them, even in the midst of all of the tragedy around them. I'm praying that they will be able to see even beneath the surface tragedies, which are not minor, by the way, they are major, and look at the grander narrative and the bigger narrative that God may be painting in our world today, revealing the enemies for who they really are. I would also say that it's important for us in the United States to remember not to complain about inconveniences that we experience as a result of this conflict. For example, gas prices are outrageous at the pump. I happen to have a car that's a big, huge gas guzzler. And you know what? The way I look at it, people in Ukraine are dying every day. They're losing their lives. And if my contribution and sacrifice is to pay more at the gas pump, then I'm willing to pay that price to support them. And we can do even more than that. There are many charities and many organizations that are accepting funds and that have people on the ground in Ukraine to provide for the needs of the people send resources through those organizations that already have the relationships and that are able to make a difference there there's a lot that we can do and i think we need to ask ourselves what is that and in the face of all the loss that the people are experiencing let us thank god For what we have, share what we have, and choose not to complain under the circumstances. As we're continuing to talk about what's going on in Ukraine, I want to say a few words about their leader, Vladimir Zelensky. As you know, my book is called Lead Yourself First. I think he's being an excellent example of leading himself first. And what I mean by that is he's not just telling his people what to do. He's doing what he's asking them to do. And he's modeling the way and going first. He's showing tremendous courage. And I want to identify several examples. For one thing, he's been willing to speak up and to tell the truth. In a very difficult situation, he's not been biting his tongue at all. He has called the evil for what it is, regardless of what the consequences might be, by saying the things that he's choosing to say. He has taken the high road to stand on principles and to stand on values and to call those out and to encourage his people with those. Words of encouragement. He's a leader who's been visible at a tough time. A lot of times, when a country is invaded like this and going through such difficulty, those top leaders find ways to get out of the country and to keep themselves safe while the country is left to fend for themselves. To Zelensky's credit, like the captain of a ship, he is staying with the vessel. Not that he wants to die, I'm sure he doesn't. If he has to, like a good military person, he's willing to lay his life on the line if it requires that. He knows more important is that the people be inspired through this crisis, and especially since the enemy is systematically coming in and removing community leaders and killing those who might inspire the local people. So from a national position, he stays visible. He stays in the press, and he encourages the people to fight. He reminds them about why they need to resist this force. So that visibility, the constant communication, he doesn't go dark, and the fact that he's staying with the country this all shows courage. This all shows leadership. You don't know if you're really a leader until you're really tested under fire. Zelensky is being tested under fire, and he's passing the test by staying with the country, inspiring them with encouraging messages, standing on the high ground, the high road, and calling a spade a spade when necessary. He's not pretending that evil is good. And yet, at the same time, he's been willing. come to the negotiating table and yet he also says there will be a time and a day when that's not even going to be an option so he's tough he has some tough positions as well though he's smaller and i'm sure more of a force to be reckoned with than russia probably imagined he's not acting small he's stepping into the power that they do have as a people because of the ideals and the values that they hold within them. Not only that, not only is he being visible, let's say in the media and with the messages that are broadcast and going out, he is going physically himself to some of these war-torn areas and assessing the devastation. So he's visible physically in person and also visible in the media. That's a great risk, I'm sure, And yet he knows that he's the leader of this country and he is leading and doing what's necessary to lead. If you think of wars way back in the olden, olden days, sometimes all the soldiers could see would be the flag ahead of them, or they could see that the senior officers were somehow still in the battle with them. And so Zelensky is signaling that, that he's still in the battle with the people and knowing that in order to really mount the kind of resistance that's necessary that they need help from a wide variety of resources he is constantly and daily asking for whatever they need from their allied countries they're asking for weapon systems they're asking for other support they're asking for the sanctions they're asking for whatever He thinks his people could use and not just to be rescued, but so that they can fight for their own house. So when I look at Zelensky, I see a leader who's leading himself first, stepping out there in courage, saying what needs to be said, being visible, staying with the ship, and bringing in outside resources as much as he can find. You really have to admire a person who operates in that way. And so I pray that just as in the battle that Moses fought many, many years ago, and his arms were held out by his two, held up by his two compatriots, I pray that through God's supernatural power, that his arms will be held up in this battle and in this fight until they come to a place of victory. And I want us to remember that sometimes The big bully on the scene is not always the one to win the war and i think israel historically especially when you think about biblical times is a great example as a small nation god worked through them supernaturally they won all kinds of battles that they really shouldn't have won but they won by the grace of god by the resourcing and protection of god and I pray that that's what will happen with Ukraine is that they will be resourced similarly. So I'm looking at Zechariah, the fourth chapter and verse six. And this was a word that was coming to the leaders of Judah at a time of great difficulty. And it says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And we know that God's spirit is greater than anything that's on this earth and in this world. And I pray a tremendous outpouring and infusion of the greatness of the spirit of God on his people in Ukraine to resist the evil of the enemy. leadership resources.